You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. You better not pout. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why, because today on Systematic Geekology, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite classic Christmas movies. We are the priests of the geeks, meaning that we are mediators between pop culture and the Christian faith. And we are here to have some great conversations to bridge those gaps. This episode is not a bait and switch. It's not a Trojan horse. It's just a couple people talking about how much they enjoy Christmas movies. And if you enjoy listening to this show, you should go on over to patreon.com slash geekology where you can give us money and we will stuff your stockings with more content. It's a great system. I'm one of your hosts for today's episode, Brandon Knight. I'm a bivocational Christian content creator, and I'm actually I'm actually kind of in a down spirit right now. So I'm looking forward to this conversation because uh, earlier today, I am a big fan of the band The Monkees. And earlier today, Mike Nesmith passed away. So actually, before this episode started, I popped on my Monkees Christmas CD. And that's what I was doing to kind of get me in the right spirits again. Nice. Yeah, I, I remember uh, watching um, the Monkees uh, TV show on like reruns and stuff like that yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, loved it. Um. I am Joe. I am a uh, broadcaster, marketer by trade, um, and I uh, I am I am ready to talk about some Christmas movies. Uh, Christmas movies are one of those weird things for me because I did not necessarily grow up. Um, I don't have strong connections, right, with with the whole Christmas deal. I didn't yeah. believe in. Santa for uh, more, way longer than I, I did and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, but I have so many memories of watching these different uh, okay. Christmas movies and stuff like that. So this is kind of my, my biggest tether to oh, cool. as a, like childhood wise to the holiday. Nice. Well, this will make for a good time. So again, we're going to be talking about classic Christmas movies. And just to understand what classic means, we're not talking about really good movies. What we're talking about today are classic in the sense of 50 years or older. So if you're listening to today's episode and you're 50 years or older, congratulations, you're classic. But <laughs> today we're going <laughs> But today we're going to be looking at classic Christian or classic Christmas films. Also, we're opening the the chest up further. We're not just going to talk about movies, but we'll also be talking about some of your favorite specials as well. So, Joe, since you've got a nice tether to Christmas in this area, I got to ask, what is like one or two right off the bat that immediately comes to mind? These were some of your like childhood favorites. All right, so I have to I have to start off a little cliche and talk about a Christmas Carol. I remember okay. watching a Christmas Carol as a kid, and we're talking the original 1934 version. Okay, like this, I know there's been countless remakes and and timeless classics and all of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but we're talking the original with all in in all of its 
wonderfully cheesy practical effect glory. <laughs> I remember watching this, and I remember this scaring the dickens out of me. If you get the joke, you get the joke. Um, but but <laughs> seriously, like th- this, I was like, wait, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Grim Reaper comes and fit and 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 uh, visits this guy at night because he's a jerk. Like it was just. <laughs> But it's it's one of those um, it's one of those movies that just it's so layered, but also I guess whimsical in a way okay. that yeah. if for for kids it's so um, it's so like magical but also has enough substance to it that it actually gets you asking questions and different things like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know if I have seen that original black and white in all of its cheesy special effects glory. The one I am most familiar with and I won't go into them because they're not classic uh, is Scrooged, the Bill Murray version. Uh, That is the one I am most familiar with. And Muppets Christmas Carol are like the two versions. But in the end, they all follow that same general plot line. And the Grim Reaper shows up each time. (laughs) Right, right. I so there's always been a part of me that has really dug um, live performance. Um, okay. plays, things like that. And so uh, partially because I, my sister and I both grew up doing theatrical performances and oh. all of that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was more like movies when you get past that, like when you get past a certain point, especially if you're going back as far as the 30s and stuff like that, physical mm-hmm. comedy, physical acting, yeah, uh, practical effects, set pieces, all of those kinds of things are so vitally important that mm-hmm. if that's something that you look for, like it's it's just it's it's re- it really can turn into some pretty magical pieces of work. Mm-hmm. Though special shout out won't go too far into it because it's not it's not classic like you said. Scrooge. Okay. I remember watching Scrooge as a kid, <laughs> and I just it was hilarious. One of my favorites. Oh yeah, we'll have to maybe next Christmas we'll have to do like a spotlight on that that one specifically right. because that last scene that when Bill Murray just like finally gets it that is like the best Bill Murray acting ever. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I, anyway, so, so back on our classic Christmas movies. What else was? Is there any other ones that you immediately come to mind? Like this was classic Christmas for me. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with another one of the biggest hitters um, okay. within this uh, this space. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1967. Like, come on, that mm-hmm. I I remember when it was a it was a yearly tradition um watching two movies a uh, a christmas story and how the grinch stole christmas my dad and i would watch those together and like it, it just i rem- <laughs> i remember going to the theater with my dad to go see the jim carrey version when mm-hmm. it came out and one of the biggest complaints that we had was that it did not have the original music it had okay. like weird like remixes of it, sure. different like 
yeah. different takes of it and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's just timeless classic to the point where even in my most curmudgeonly of years, even at the time where I would, I, I would fancy myself um, as Scrooge like as I possibly could, you know, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I still, this is still one of those movies that I would take time and and watch every Christmas season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you just pulled one of my my big picks as well. When I think childhood Christmas, that classic Grinch immediately comes to mind for two two. I got two words. Why Boris Karloff? Like that is the thing that draws me in is his narration, his voice throughout that piece. The Jim Carrey one is funny like it's good it's good for what it is but to get me like in that that christmas mode i need to watch that cartoon one you know there are just those movies and that's what a lot of these are this is why a lot of these films have remained classic throughout the years is that they have they put people in that christmas mood and have continued to put people in that christmas mood do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I oh no, go ahead. I'm yeah. curious. I'm curious. Did you know who Boris Karloff was when back when you were had watched like those a as a kid? Yeah. So off the top of my head, no. So I got into like the Universal Monster movie thing probably a little bit more like a preteen out here in Chicagoland. It's a it's a like a nationwide show now, but out here in Chicagoland, we have this thing called Svengoolie. That is a Saturday night creature feature show. It's a, it's across the country, but at the time it was just like just in this area. So at a young age, cause everybody watches Svengoolie around here at a young age is kind of when I got introduced to all those characters. But even as a kid, like that voice, especially when it's the Grinch talking, like that is the Grinch in my mind that voice and it draws me in listening to him talk, you know? Yeah. So I knew, I knew who Karloff was because of the universal monster movies and things like that. And like, um, arsenic and old lace and just those kinds of older movies. And so I remember having that association with Mm -hmm. the Grinch's voice that like I thought it was that that was something that I remember really sticking out to me. And I almost wonder if that's part of the association of why I fell so in love with that movie. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we all know. I mean, if you're wondering why we were so hot and heavy back in October for spooky month content, you're you're, you're looking at the two or you're listening to the two hosts that were kind of pushing for all that stuff. So, uh, right. Do you right. want to go ahead and get a uh, all of our claymation favorites out of the way? The the whole what is that group? Bankin bait what is that? Rankin so Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass is a is a company for those of you that don't know, um, because we know from conversations earlier today that there are people that are likely listening that don't know what these movies are, which breaks my heart a little bit. Um there there it's a style, it's a claymation studio that came out with um a Frosty the Snowman um the year without santa claus santa claus santa claus is coming to town there's a good solid set of them that like 
if you don't realize that you 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 likely don't realize that you know or at mm-hmm. least have seen some of the the uh, Rankin Bass stuff, um, I, you know, with with Rudolph, like Rudolph is one of those characters that there's two things that I think of when I think of Rudolph. I think of this ridiculous old style like no name cartoon that my aunt mm-hmm. had on a cassette tape growing up <laughs> where Rudolph saved Christmas for the orphanage and all mm-hmm. of that. So I think of that, but I think of, of the Rankin Bass film, you know yeah. what I mean? And it just, sure. you talk about all of the things, right? Like if you can take somebody that is so totally anti-Christmas and doesn't have those kinds of connections, but still give them warm feelings in their heart, then you have mm-hmm. unlocked the the code for how to just convey warmth through yeah. a set of these movies. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. Again, going back to this idea of people might not knowing some of these, if you have ever just physically seen a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer drawing toy you have at least seen the character designs like those are iconic if anything that is the one that has stayed the most in that design santa gets changed all the time but that original rudolph design that is the one that gets used over and over and over again i really like santa claus is coming to town and the year without a santa claus i am 27 years old and i will admit some of those songs are like they're so good like I enjoy listening to some of the songs in those specials. I think of uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. The one that's like put one foot in front of the other. Like it's just a cheerful tune about making progress in your life, you know? And right. here I am a little kid. Like that is a good message that I'm receiving as a child. Or then when you go to the year without a Santa Claus and you got the heat miser and the, the other one, the snow miser, the snow, cold miser. Got, yeah, I'm Mr. Heat Blister. Like they're just fun yeah. songs, you know, and I, going back oh, to what yeah. you said, Joe, like it, it brings some warmth into your heart of just like. This is Christmas. It's a little silly, like for us as Christians. Yes, there is a deeper meaning behind Christmas. But when you kind of pull back and look at the greater context of like pop culture Christmas, I guess you can call it. It's just a little silly and we're all okay with it. Yeah, that's honestly, you know, one of those you can still I can still hear all of the um, all of the songs in my head. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I I remember uh, showing those to my wife who had never seen them growing Mm -hmm. up, like these kinds of Christmas movies and things like that weren't necessarily big in her house. And like, she, she even loved it as I want to say she was like 28 when I showed it to her, maybe 27, you know what I mean? But like 30, I'm 32 and I still love those movies. You know what I mean? Like there's just something special about that whole era because you had to, again, in a time where, where, there was a lot less, it was a lot less about two hour long 
action set pieces or big, you know, CGI filled things and all of that kind of stuff. Like when not, when you don't have that to fall back on, then the necessity for quality goes through the roof. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's something that you will probably see as a through line with so many of these movies that we're talking Mm -hmm. about, you know? Yeah. It also goes to show like, yes, it, So Joe and I were having a conversation with some of our younger hosts earlier today, and apparently not too many of them know some of these movies. But part of the reason why I think they maintain this classic status and they're still, you know, being played on television or streaming services or trying to fight over them is that simplicity element that you just talked about of like, that is a common thread of all these classic movies is that they have to rely on what they got. And when you watch them now, yeah, you can see the strings or yeah, the mouths don't quite match up with the dialogue for these claymation movies. But one that was like cutting edge 50 plus years ago. And two there's nothing wrong with simplicity. I'm a I'm all for simplicity in my entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's especially when you're talking about something like something like this like, you know, there's something to be said for a gorgeous movie. Mm-hmm. But that's not the end all be all when it comes sure. to quality, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. you talk about some something like Frosty, right? Frosty is one <laughs> of those characters that, you know, everybody knows, but nobody quite, you know, not a lot of people realize where this comes from. And it's one of the those like if you can create Rankin Bass created the one version of Frosty that stands up to the um the 67 Frosty that everybody no, okay. like if yeah. you've seen the 25 minute special, mm-hmm. uh, you you know, you know what I'm talking about. But like they created this claymation version that predates it. Mm-hmm. That is just it, it, it rivals for the seminal um, depiction of this holiday character. And so when you have this company that has put out multiple iterations of the seminal version of these different mm-hmm. characters, then you know you have something special on your hands. Yeah, you, you've you done well. Joe, what's your opinion on Miracle on 34th Street? You got an opinion okay, on that so one? This, so there's, there's a whole section of holiday movies Mm -hmm. that I kind of lumped together into a category. It's the same kind of category that I put the old Rat Pack movies, the old, you know what I mean? Like the, the, you know, the black and whites, that kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. there is a special place in cinema history for those and they are fine. Okay. They just are just fine for me. You know what I just mean? Like, fine for you. Okay. They're just, we're not one of them, one of the genre or era of Christmas movies that I necessarily, um, draw uh, to. I, I necessarily was drawn to. Yeah. This is for me, Miracle on 34th street is one that, uh, I've appreciated later in life. I don't know if it would have held my attention as a kid. I don't even know there was one that came out when I was a child. The one that has the girl who also plays Matilda. I don't know her name. Um, oh, yeah. And I don't know if 
either one of them really would have held my attention. But as an adult, they hold my attention now. And I think part of the reason why is, well, there's two reasons why. And I, the big one is normally in Santa Claus related media, there is a level of magic. You know, the finger on the side of the nose, head nod up the chimney here rose, you know, doing He's got the snowball that he can see children. That's in the uh, Santa Claus is coming to town in Miracle on 34th Street. There's actually no magic. Santa Claus is just like moving the pieces on the board. So that way, things that kind of look magical, things that kind of look miraculous occur. But there always is like kind of a logical explanation behind it. And I uh, I appreciate that version. It's very it's different. I guess is what I'm getting at is it's a different take on Santa of like, maybe there's just a plain old logical explanation for how he does all this. The other reason I like this one is because Joe, you'll get this reference. No one under the age of 50 will besides you, but the ending when they bring all the letters in and they're like, see the post office recognizes this man as Santa Claus. He's Santa Claus. Okay. Verdict. That is the biggest finesse in American courtroom drama history. Like it rivals any nonsense that Perry Mason has ever tried to pull off as like courtroom procedures out the window. Here you go. Okay, fine. It's good. That's good. It always makes me laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I can appreciate, I'm not sure I've ever actually taken full consideration of um, the lack of magic in that. But now that you were saying that I'm like, yeah, that really does make sense because you, you think about the way, the way he operates, it's more of just being a a people mover rather than necessarily being this magical entity. And that is a, that is a nice change of pace. It is. Well, I think it's also worth noting another classic kind of from that era that wasn't a classic until much later on. It's a Wonderful Life. Now, It's a Wonderful Life does fall into this argument of, is it really a Christmas movie? Because really, it's only the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie that actually takes place at or around Christmas So sometimes it gets lumped into the diehard gremlins conversation. We're not going to have that conversation. Watch it when you want to try watching. It's a wonderful life on the 4th of July while you're shooting off fireworks. And let me know how that goes for you. For me, it's a Christmas movie. I love this movie. Joe, what do you think of it's a wonderful life? Is that part of the, the miracle on 34th street group or is that part of a different group? So I never realized until I was an adult that there was any kind of argument around this movie. I don't understand any argument that happens around this movie. It is it is a Christmas movie. Like there's nothing like you said, go ahead and try and watch it on the 4th of July and see how far yeah. you get. Like yeah. come on. It's you know, e- even if it just it's even if it just ends on Christmas, like there's just this spirit about it that's that same mm-hmm. kind of spirit that so many of these movies from that era had, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. I enjoy this movie. This is my wife's favorite Christmas movie. She cries her way through the ending every time. And I think I do too. And I think part of the reason why it's a wonderful life 
maintains this classic status and touches so deeply for many people is that we live in America, the self-proclaimed land of opportunity where you can accomplish whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. This is the most realistic movie out there. This is one of the most realistic movies out there because George Bailey is everybody. He is everybody who has ever dreamed of something bigger in life. But you know what? Sometimes in life, things happen, things come up that are outside of our control. And here's the tagline. It can still be a wonderful life, even when it doesn't go the way that we want to. I was very old, like within the past couple of years is when I finally realized that there at the end, when he is going to take his life, he's doing it not because he's totally hopeless, which is like what everyone usually tries to depict in like the we're going to steal elements from this for our Christmas special. Right before then, he's checking out their insurance policy. Now, we do not have the time nor the space to get into the ethical ramifications of suicide. That is not what this episode is about. But even within the wanting to take his life, it's not a hopelessness. It's a still trying to take care of everybody around him. And the beautiful picture there at the end, if it's for me, the crying starts not if it's not when he's running down the streets yelling Merry Christmas. It's there at the very end when everybody shows back up. Because you know what, Joe, that very that last scene when everyone's showing up and they're bringing in the money to help him, you know, pay back this money that was lost, actually stolen, but lost. Would you say that that's how the body of Christ is supposed to be? That like in these moments of trial, as we have given to other people, the body of Christ then responds to give back. What do you what are your thoughts? I so this this Advent Christmas holiday season, I have been going through very specific parts of the Bible. And one of them was the Gospels. And I was I was taken as I and I personally, I understand theologically speaking, that's not necessarily true. But I include when I say the Gospels, I include Acts. It's just a natural extension of the four books. Um, And so I'm in Acts and I am listening to the first, um, you know, the the first Acts of the church. Mm. And there's so much back and forth about what Christians should do and what Christians should give. And is this, is that. Sure. When you realize that it was literally just an action response sort of thing. There were needs. Mm. People Mm -hmm. had things to cover those needs. So Mm -hmm. they covered those needs. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that it wasn't meant to be this. You give exactly this amount, exactly this. That's exactly what Peter said. Wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you see something like this, it's, it's fascinating to me, especially as an adult that I see some of these concepts borrowed from Christianity unknowingly, You know what I mean? Like we Mm -hmm. have the original indication of what that looked like, right? We have the original example, all of those kinds of things. And then you have something like this where it's just, you know, oh, it's good people. It's just good people coming alongside them and all Mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff. And you see the through lines of like, no, no. You notice how when humanity acts like this, 
forget about forget about the whole Christianity thing for a second. When sure. humanity does this particular thing and acts in this particular way, then the situation tends to work out in its best possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't believe in chance, luck, or coincidence. Sure. So when you look at that and you see that there is something there is something beautiful. Again, we're not going to sit here and depict all of the nuance and and such and such yeah. as far as the circumstances surrounding it. But at the end of the day, even for somebody that doesn't necessarily appreciate as much that style of movie, that storytelling, Mm -hmm. that's gospel. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to see because sometimes it's not just somebody that is completely and totally at the end of their rope. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's somebody who's trying to look for the escape hatch of the situation and the best possible outcome Mm. for everybody involved. And sometimes that's the thought process. Sometimes they don't see another way, not necessarily Mm -hmm. out of despair, but out of utilitarianism. Mm. And so when you see that kind of rawness, I guess is a good way of putting it. Yes. It's it's a little schlock. There's some, there's some Christmas schlock to it. You know what I mean? Like it's got a nice little glossy paint job Mm -hmm. over top of it. Sure. Great. Whatever. It's probably part of the charm that has made it Mm -hmm. a longstanding Christmas tradition. If it was just solemn and totally realistic the whole time, I'm not sure it would be as big of a classic as it is. But with that coupled with how, real they were willing to get with Mm -hmm. the story like yes i can absolutely appreciate that yeah well originally this was a box office flop because it was too raw for people i mean within the first what is it five ten minutes you have the scene when the the shop owner is hitting him in the ear in his bad ear like it is a very raw very like i said earlier un-american film that is actually very realistic for how life sometimes is um but yeah it is all it does have its glossy moments the running down the the running down the street while it's snowing and the you know every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings like it has its glossy (laughs) moments but it's yeah yeah it's very raw there is i've got one more arguably the king of this conversation even more than it's a wonderful life but before we get to that one was there any other any other ones you wanted to quickly highlight yeah um a special shout out to white christmas you know 1954 Bing Crosby takes all the boxes like if you're looking (laughs) for um, one of those types of movies, right? The the Sinatra filled, yeah. you know, the dancing and the all of that kind of stuff and the costumes and basically mm-hmm. a movie of a stage performance, then you cannot go wrong with this movie. Like it is the predecessor to the Hallmark Christmas movie style of storytelling in a major way, just with more dance numbers and more big set pieces, you know? I've never thought of that. But yeah, that is kind of like the spiritual grandfather of the of the Hallmark Christmas movie genre. Huh. That is a good one. I've only seen that one like a handful of times, but every Christmas... That is the one that every Christmas I say... I should really watch that. That's been a it's been a while since I've seen that one. And then like 
17 other movies get in my way before I get to that one. But yeah, that's a good one. The local Christian radio station, again, playing to the fact that we're old, I listen to the radio. And the local Christian radio station, they play part of their rotation of Christmas songs during this season is snow when they're on the train. And my wife has never seen White Christmas. And she's like, what is what is even going on here? Why? Why am I listening to this? <laughs> Which out of context, right. it is yeah. kind of a weird song. Oh, yeah, it, it is absolutely out, out of context, a weird song. It's one of those like there's a subset of movies in American cinema that if you've never seen them, you've seen a reference to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Inside this genre, outside of this genre, like there's just a whole section of those types of movies. And this is very much of that kind of ilk mm-hmm. where there's so many different little nuancey type stuff that has been taken. It's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life is one that the scavengers have totally picked apart and pulled oh, yeah. into other movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are, there are things that if you've if you've never seen this movie, you've seen parts of this movie you know what i mean there's there's a reason why they're classic like and and part of it is because the legacy lives on through sampling you know they've they've used elements from almost all of these that we have talked about today show up in a lot of modern christmas movies it's every other year there's a new version of a christmas carol that comes out like but there is one that also gets sampled quite a bit And it is the one that I would say is the king of the conversation. And that is Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. The very first of all of the Peanuts specials. Um, Listeners and other hosts listening. If any of y'all ever want to do an entire episode on the Peanuts and Charlie Brown and Snoopy, let me know. This is one of my favorite areas. One of my favorite geekdoms. It cannot be Christmas without Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. And one of the most beautiful parts of Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, is the fact that that is a true statement for even the most of atheist people I have met. I had a store manager who didn't believe in God. His opinions have changed since having conversations with me. Isn't a believer, but has moved to a more like, deistic view of theology it is not christmas if he did not watch this special so joe what are what are some of your thoughts on merry christmas charlie brown so i too have a very deep connection to uh the peanuts gang as as a whole i remember going over to my grandfather's house and um grabbing his uh funny pages and yeah and reading the uh reading the comics like yeah that that movie is quintessential christmas you know what i mean there's a short list of movies that you can point to every year that if you watch like that, that those are going to, you're at least going to watch those movies during mm-hmm. the Christmas season. And it's timeless. You know, when you talk about these characters that have this air of just, I think part of it is so many kids fall in love with the peanuts characters because they are written in a way that, it could be you and your friends in a lot of regards. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so yeah. much um, 
personality to them and they're written mm-hmm. in such a way that they're every man, every woman, every child sort of characters mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I think at, at some point in all of our lives, we've, you know, commiserated with Charlie Brown, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. They are, they are characters and not like, I mean, they are literally are characters, but like they are very developed characters for characters that were just funny pages, comic strips into simple children, Christmas specials and other, you know, TV shows and whatnot, but they're so developed and like they have their place in the story. And you know, you know, Lucy's going to move the football. But you're still going to laugh. You know that Schroeder's going to be playing Beethoven and Lucy's going to lean on the piano and try to swoon him. And it's not going to work, but it's okay. Like, this is what the peanuts get like the biggest pass on being formulaic. Like, they all have their roles. Every special, they hit their marks and it's fine because that's what we want. We want Charlie Brown saying good grief. We want Peppermint Patty calling him Chuck. Like, that is what we want. And that is Charlie Brown. Just something simple every time. But specifically on this Christmas one, why do you think this is so beloved and so classic? You know, I think part of it is um, being a product of its time, but in a way that so many of us can say it's a product of our time. You know what okay. I mean? That kind of thing. Like I grew up in the nineties. It came out in 65. Mm-hmm. What, what a product of the time for me is not the same thing as somebody who was born in the sixties. You know sure. what I mean? That kind of thing. But like mm-hmm. with, with this, I think it's, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like um, the great pumpkin. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're both these movies that like for us in our generation, a big part of our generation for a lot of especially um, more non-Christian households and things like that is mm-hmm. TV and these TV uh, specials and cable and all of that kind of stuff. Sure. Yes, we yeah, are yeah. old enough to remember a world with cable TV. I'm old oh, enough yeah. to remember a world with rabbit ears. Um, there we go. But... <laughs> But, you know, I I had to laugh because I I remember being a kid and it was like a whole, you know, um, ambiance sort of thing. Right. Like even down to the um, the the rotation of Christmas music that would play on the radio stations Uh that would only play Christmas music. Um, The ones around us, they would play the peanuts. They would play the 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 Mm -hmm. uh, original um, or the. they would play the theme at, in rotation yeah. with the rest of the Christmas. And it just made sense. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's such a deep association. And I think part of it is because, especially the way that Charlie Brown is depicted in this in particular, I think mm-hmm. it resonates with kids that maybe... um didn't always have a super magical Christmas. You know okay. what I mean? Like, sure. There was a through line there emotionally that I think there's a measure of catharsis there when okay. a kid that didn't necessarily have the super magical Christmas could yeah. watch these movies. You know what I and mean? Like, yeah. And totally relate to everything Charlie Brown's going through of like, I just don't get it. I'm not really feeling it this year. And even as adults, like 
if anything, it can be easier sometimes to fall into a habit of like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this right now? Um, Which was part of the reason what makes Charlie Brown so relatable. That scene, and you know what scene I'm talking about, Linus on the stage. And I know, okay, we're the Christian podcast and we saved the most overtly religious one for last. But here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. That is a beautiful scene. By way of children's cartoons, I don't think it gets too much better than that scene of Linus standing in front of everyone, breaking the fourth wall in the most unfunny way possible, but breaking that fourth wall, looking right down the camera and just laying it out. You want to know what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown? Here it is. Chapter and verse in Luke all the way down and just walking back and saying, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And it was actually I mean, I've seen this thing a thousand times and it wasn't until very recently that I came across this thing that during that segment, Linus is holding the blanket, obviously, because, again, we know what to expect. Linus is holding the blanket. And at some point, I believe it's when he gets to the line for unto you is born this day. He drops the blanket. And at some point, I want to talk more about Linus. Again, if you want more Peanuts content, definitely let us know. Um, But one of the great things about the character of Linus is that he fills this role of the. The sinner's priest, the sinner's pastor, I don't know exactly how to put it. He's a very humane minister because all throughout the comics like he's always the one who's chapter and versing everything yeah but he's got that blanket and it's his security blanket because linus still has fears linus still has insecurities and that is so relatable for us as christians that you can have all the faith in the world but you may still have that one thing that one fear that one insecurity that one anxiety And you still need that blanket, that security blanket. I don't care who you are. John Piper, if you're listening to this, I know you got a security blanket somewhere. Everyone's got that one fear, that one doubt. And the beauty in that scene, it just draws you in of like, this is the message of hope all across the airwaves. Although I think Apple TV Plus now has like seized control of it. But All across the airways, you have this one message of hope. And I think that is a defining characteristic of many classic Christmas films. Is this message of there is something more. And for my atheist manager to hear that year after year, that there is something more. That George Bailey, you don't have to jump off this bridge. There is something more. That is the hope of Christmas. Hope is the hope of Christmas. Jesus brings hope. Joe, I'm sure you're ready to jump in. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I resonate. I don't think there's a big surprise resonating with two movies that so totally exemplify somebody asking the questions 
of what is this? What are we doing here? What is this whole yeah. thing all about in Charlie Brown and in um, The Grinch with Cindy uh, okay. Lou Who and okay. all of that kind of stuff? Like you have this desire that if you didn't grow up in a household that was doing, you know, or, or if as an adult, you, you, you don't understand this. So like on one level, we're talking about like just an innate need to understand what is this all about? Is it literally just about buying presents? Is it literally just about showing Mm -hmm. somebody how much you love them by how much you spend on them? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And then you break that down. Okay, wait, wait a minute. Now let's start talking about, you talk about an, a time period of the year where if we're just being honest, it tends to be the most littered with tragedy and the most yeah. littered with things like people making decisions to end their life and different mm-hmm. things like that. And like, that's, that's a very real thing. Not everybody has family to turn to. You know what I no. mean? That's one thing that I usually that I tend to implore people that if you're really complaining about family get togethers, understand that not everybody has a family to get together with. You know what I True. mean? I'm just saying. Yeah. And, and so to have to to have those things, right? We all as humans have this thing, this innate need to be able to feel hopeful. To be able to feel like yeah. I can put my stock into something. I can put my hope into something. Mm-hmm. I can have some kind of hope that is outside of myself that is not just circumstantial. Yeah. Because if it's if your hope is in you, your, your hope is circumstantial. Everybody mm. wants uncircumstantial hope. Yeah. And whether or not you are Christian or or an atheist, or somewhere in between, that still rings true. Yeah. And you have these different depictions of, okay, let's look down the barrel real quick, and let's just go ahead and and, and talk about this, of like, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is what it's about. This is mm-hmm. what you should be looking for. These yeah. are the most important beats and the most important things, and this is something that exists that is beauty that is the gospel that Mm -hmm. is the message that people whether or not it was 1965 1995 or 2021 yeah that people still need to hear that hope is a thing that hope is Mm -hmm. alive you know what I mean? Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. I I I bought Christmas gifts for my family. It is what it is. It's part of the gimmick. It's part of the deal in America. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I, I understand not everybody does, and that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. But at the end of the day, right now, whether or not you believe that you should put up a Christmas tree or not, whether mm-hmm. or not you believe that Jesus was born on December twenty fifth fifth or not. Whether or not you think that this holiday had roots in other origins other than Christianity or not. Right. We still get the opportunity to smarten the world up about the most important gimmick of this time. Yeah. And you have something like this that a, a, a child that has been that has been exposed to more of the world than any child should be. Mm-hmm can look at this and say, this is real. Uh, so you mean to tell me that I can have hope? 
Or yeah. you have that adult that doesn't necessarily believe in God, but still has this innate desire to yeah. understand what all of this is about, what the purpose of this whole thing is. And they can look to something like that, or they can look to something like it's a wonderful life and see that kind of hope, or they can look out like you can look and see that, you know what? Regardless of what the actual trimmings are, and you can have and uh, mm-hmm. you know the further conversations about what exactly hope is, what exactly like sure. you can get yeah. into the particulars, mm-hmm. but just this concept en- is enough. And you know, maybe for me, this is this movie has taken a different kind of tone for me because I- I'll always tell anybody who asks. What is your favorite hymn? My favorite hymn is Amazing Grace because I was that man. Okay. And that happened to me. And I mm-hmm. can look to that and say, like, I remember how much, how, how, how wretched I was. But I also know what na- now, what level of hope that I have. And so yeah. to me, to see this, this purity uh, in a, especially in a time where there was not much pure going on in 1965. True. And, and not and, that 2021's any time, better, but. <laughs> oh, oh no, it's, it's not, but yeah. and that's, you know, to, to go there in, yeah. in a, in a time period that every generation has had their version of a reason and a, for why, you know, that anybody, if you ask, could find a very enough reason for to not enjoy this time of year. Yeah. You know what I mean? To to not be cool with this time of year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that that message is universal and and can show that, hey, wait a minute. Before you think that this is all for naught, whether before you think that this is all about gifts, or before you think that you don't have something to live for, or before you think that, let me show you this thing called mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. And sometimes it is that simple. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes people just need to know that that desire that you have is legitimate and there is an answer. And it is Jesus Christ. That is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. When when it's so when it's so blatant, yeah, you can't like there. I I am I I totally get and and this is more of a of a breaking the fourth wall moment for you know talking to you guys listening. Like I I one hundred percent get that you know we can have these different um passions and these different enjoyments and you know we're talking about these different these different other show or these different other movies and different things like that where it is it is okay to not have to just be watching you know bible man if you want to watch a uh a, a, a um comic book thing or if you want to watch a cartoon watching veggie tales and things like that it's cool to watch these other things but at the end of the day at the at the end of the day and 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 i believe this to be so vitally true in 2021 we need to understand what hope is we need to understand what that is so so if ever there's going to be a time where yeah these worlds that we that we walk between are going to mesh 
It's going to be here. It's going to be mm. now because this is the reason for the season. This oh, yeah. is why we celebrate past all of the stuff and things of Christmas, past all of the stress and nonsense of Christmas, past any of it. Mm -hmm. We have the undeniable story of hope. And when we cover something like this, that so beautifully depicts that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, These worlds are going to melt. Sure. It's great. I love it. You know, I, I, I think that's it. We're just going to start wrapping it up here. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. There is hope at Christmas. In a most stressful time, there is hope. But let's start wrapping things up. Joe, do you got any recommendations for our listeners at home, either related to, I mean, technically, we just gave everybody, like, what do you, what was that even? Ten movie recommendations? But is there any yeah. specific recommendations you have going out of this episode? Yeah, so I want to I wanna double back to the Rankin-Bass uh, movies. Like, okay. especially The Year Without Santa Claus. Like mm. that, I promise you the second that you hear the songs, they will be forever etched in your brain in the best possible way. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it, it's just so much fun watching those different claymation deals and all of that. Um, you know, even, even Frosty, which the claymation Frosty is, is good. The other Frosty is better, but you know, <laughs> the Rankin Bass stuff is just so, so exquisitely done. Yeah. I, uh, I've got a little bit of a different one for today. My recommendation is go get yourself a record player. If you don't have a record player, go get yourself a record player and then start getting some Christmas records on vinyl. I've got a handful. I got uh, Bing Crosby, Elvis, and I have that Peanuts one. I've got that soundtrack for the Peanuts Christmas special. Yeah. And I love vinyl, but there is something about Christmas on vinyl it adds a layer of coziness, I guess. Like it vinyl sounds the way to me, vinyl sounds the way that it should. Like that is how music should sound on vinyl. And with Christmas music, it just adds this extra layer to the season. Oh yeah. You have, you've got the fireplace, you've got the crackling, you've got the whole yep. thing. Like it's a whole thing. And, and like, yes, it is not, you listen to vinyl and you're going to be able to hear a very distinct difference between mm -hmm. like a super polished MP3, you know what I mean? File and Digital, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, there's something beautiful about listening to that. And it's a, it's a time of music and it's a time it's, a, it's a type of music that just so totally lends to that, to, to that vibe and that um, ambiance. So yeah, absolutely. Great, great suggestion. <laughs> so um, I co-host uh, another show called Buddy Walk with Jesus. Uh, you can find us on all of the socials at Buddy Walk with Jesus, or you can find us at buddywalkwithjesus.com. And you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on social media, TikTok and Instagram at just.brandon.k. I also have my own podcast, My Seminary Life, where I talk about the stuff I'm learning about in seminary. It's on the usual suspects, uh, Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. Jump in soon because Christmas break is coming and I will not be doing anything over Christmas break because there are no classes. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, I got some good news for you listeners. We've got a lot more Christmas movie content coming your way. Actually, by the time this episode is up over on systematicecology.org, where you can be letting us know what we should be geeking out on. Over on our blog section, I'm going to have my first of what will hopefully be many cult classic movie reviews as I talk about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Joe, have you seen that one? Yes. (laughs) It's a great time. It's a review slash devotional. I can't guarantee that's going to happen all the time, but it's going to be great. Um, Thanks again for listening, everybody. Enjoy your Christmas movies. And remember, we are all a chosen generation, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.